keep worshiping. Keep pushing in, pressing in. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You are the way maker. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Oh, pour out your grace. Pour out your mercy. Father, may your presence be felt here today. Experienced. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. you're feeling a lack in your physical body begin to rejoice in the Lord find your joy in him and his joy will become strength to you hallelujah mm, thank you Lord for this this time what a way to start this uh, year in worship hallelujah thank you Lord thank you Lord Praise God. Amen. I'm going to invite you just to greet one another here and shake somebody's hand, hug their neck. Let them know you're glad to see them today. Uh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> hallelujah. Alrighty. I know it's always a danger to give you a moment, but I, I think it's a good way to start off our day. I like living dangerously. Praise God. I am so excited for this time, for this, this week. I love our times of uh, prayer and fasting, and I know people say, how in the world can you love a time of fasting? Well, it is one of the number one ways we can discipline our bodies to be subjective to the Spirit of God. How many of you allow your bodies to control whatever you do in life? <laughs> okay, you know, um, we eat when our body says it's time to eat, not when we decide it's time to eat, you know. Um, and if our, I don't know about you, but for me, if I don't sense this, this overwhelming, and I have to say it overwhelming fullness, I will keep eating during a meal. Even if I'm satisfied because there's more there. Um, 
And so, and it's because we've not, we've not disciplined ourselves in some of these areas. And uh, fasting really teaches us to discipline our body. That's, that's what it's all about. Um, and these bodies need disciplined. Uh, the Apostle Paul says he beats his body into submission. Now there is a, there is a sect of monks that actually practice, they have a whip, and they literally beat their bodies into a level of submission. Now, aren't you glad that I didn't hand you all a whip when you walked in the church today? So, I'm not asking you to beat your body, but I am asking you to deny some of the internal cravings going on inside of you. And, and let me just tell you, if you started today, today, you, by now you're thinking, no, this is nothing. By tomorrow, you're going to start feeling it. By, Wednesday, or by Tuesday, you're thinking, oh, this is terrible. By Wednesday, you're thinking, I'm going to die. Now, I'm just being honest with you. But then, something breaks in the spirit. Because then your body is starting to realize, I'm not going to die. I've just been told a lie for so many years. And... And so many times, that is one of the challenges that we're overcoming is the lies that we've allowed ourselves to believe for so long. And I believe God is going to break the lies that have been spoken over us this year. Um, as I have been praying about this year, um, I like having a, a focus word, something that directs my, my prayers throughout the year. And... Uh, and I didn't get just a word. I just, actually what I was getting was this, uh, this vigilant um, fighting um, demeanor. Um, now I grew up in a fighting home. <laughs> so I, you know, it was survival of the fittest in my growing up years. So I understand fighting. But I moved away from that and actually dealt with a period of time where I completely avoided any fighting or anything that dealt with an aggressive nature. And, and God really, this last year, confronted some of that in me. And I realized we are in a fight. That we need to be willing to uh, put a foot forward to take ground. Um, and so what I'm, I'm feeling this, this year is going to be a year that we are on the offensive. That we are moving forward. Um, I'm feeling that this is going to be a year that we are going to take ground, that we are going to advance, um, that we are going to make a difference, that we are going to fight. Now, I'm not talking an internal fighting, uh, some squabbling going on in the fellowship. I am talking about taking on the enemy. And, and some people say, well, why in the world would you want to get, pick a fight with the enemy? No, listen, we didn't pick a fight. He picked the fight. We're just choosing to be involved. So many times as the body of Christ, the enemy's he's already you know, working all around us. John 10.10 10 says that the enemy, that he roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. So we have this, this enemy out there that is already bringing mass destruction. And as a church, we sit back and we become okay with being in our safe environment and we were called to get in the fight we were called to be warriors and so I want to challenge you this year uh, to get into the fight Joel 2:25 says that I will restore to you the the years that the swarming locust has eaten and I believe this is going to be a year of restoration because God is going to to honor the decisions we have made to get involved in the fight our passage today that we're going to focus on, it's a long one. Is it okay to start with a long one? Good, because it's really long. It is 51 verses long. And it's good and long. And I love it. I love every bit of it. So we're going to get into it right now so that I can get you out of here before midnight. So... 1 Samuel 17, 1 through 51... Uh, I am going to read this. It's going to be on your screen. You'll notice on your, your sheets of paper, I've given you your scriptures and lots of blanks. Some of you I know do better if you have lines to write on. I've given you lines to write on. You, your fill-ins are what the Spirit of God moves on you through these times. So, let's get into this. 
The Philistines now mustered their army for battle and camped between Soka and Judah and Azekah and Ephesadamon. Now, I am glad we name our cities a little different today. But Saul countered by gathering his Israelite troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with the valley between them. Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out of the Philistines' ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with iron, uh, with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you coming out to fight? Why are you all coming out to fight? He called. I am the Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephrathite from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man at that time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shemia, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son. David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. But David went back and forth so that he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. For 40 days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers. And give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul uh, and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite army was leaving for the battlefield with shouts and battle cries. Israelites and Philistines' forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from Philistine, the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked? He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. And when David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You want to see the battle. What have I done now, David replied. I, I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked them the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You are only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have taken care of my father's sheep and goats. 
he said. When a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off. He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then he armed only, then armed only with his shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistines. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies to your men, to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone. He hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down to the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over, pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath. David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and the picture that you paint on the potential that is in uh, our ability to walk in faith and in confidence in who you are. And so today I pray that you would restore the faith that some of us have walked away from, that we would take on the battle that is ahead of us. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. What a, what a passage, what a chapter to challenge us to a new way of living. Many times we read passages like this and we wonder, how in the world does this apply to me? How many of you faced a nine-foot giant recently? Probably, see, sometimes we read these passages and, and, and some people think, well, that's just a story they tell in Sunday school. And there are some Christians that believe that, that this did not actually happen. But there, there, is, there is history to prove that, you know, these giants did exist and that these events did happen. So whether you believe it or not is, is not an issue because Scripture declares it and God's Word has been proven to be true throughout the history. But one of the things that I was looking at is sometimes we look at these and we think, God, even if that is real, how does it apply to me? How can I take what you're saying here and apply it to my life? And so this morning what I want to do is I'm going to pull out several portions of this and I'm going to just talk about the application of it for us today. And that's why I gave you blanks that you can write down because some of these you're going, to, you're going to come to something and think, oh, I need that. And you're going to write that. That's going to be your point for today. So you've got lots of lines and you could flip that sheet over and you go freehand on it and uh, do whatever you need there. But I'm going to pull a few things from starting at verse 4. It says, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out with his Philistine ranks to face the forces. He was over nine feet tall. He wore a bronze helmet, and his bronze coat weighed 
125 pounds. He, was also, he also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin. The shaft of his spear was heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead, and weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath was a, a formidable foe. And Goliath represents the enemies that we face today. Sometimes you think, well, we're not going to have someone come at us with that kind of, of armor. But one of the things that I've come to realize is it, it doesn't have to necessarily be someone standing nine feet tall in front of us. It can simply be that someone is aware of our, our shortcomings, our failures enough. See, the enemy is, is a history student in that he studies you. And he knows your weaknesses. He knows the things that you've given into throughout your life. And, and in doing so, he knows how to attack you. He, he knows that he can send someone into your path and, and speak a couple of words or make a couple of, of, of even looks. How many of you have ever been defeated by a look from someone before? Okay. Sometimes someone gives you a look and you all of a sudden get this, this, this frightful feeling about you to where you can't even function anymore because someone's looked at you cross-eyed. See, the enemy is aware enough of us that he creates an image to create fear in us. And see, Goliath was the, this image that created such fear in the lives of the people. How many times has fear dictated what we do in life? I can honestly tell you that there are many people in the church today that never serve in an area because they are afraid. They're afraid of saying the wrong thing, of doing the wrong thing. They're afraid of all their inefficiencies, all the things that they fall short on. But but I want you to understand God has not given us a spirit of fear. That spirit does not come from Him, but we do adopt those mentalities, those thought processes um, from the things that people say to us that are not actually aligning themselves with the Word of God. If you look at verses 8, uh, or verse 8 here on our screen, it says, Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across the Israelites. I am, you know, we are, why are you coming to out to fight? I am the champion, the Philistine champion, and you are only servants. See, saw the enemy here, Goliath knew how to captivate the people and cause them to really shrink back in fear. He presented himself as this great warrior, and they're just lowly servants. They're nothing. So many times people... Uh, sit back and do nothing because they think, I am nothing. I am, the, I am the lowest in my household. The enemy will taunt you time and time again to get you to uh, shrink back. It is a tactic of the enemy. And you need to be willing to uh, set those things aside when they come at you because you are not what the enemy declares you are not what this giant declares over you. You are what God declares over you. And one of the things, one of the reasons I, I love putting these passages up here during our time of prayer is they literally begin to declare over your life the things of God. And, and if, you can, if you can somehow wrap your mind around what God's Word actually says you can accomplish or what He desires to do in your life, I believe it can set you down a path to a different level of living. But you have to be willing to say, I don't, I don't care what I've believed in the past. Today I'm making a decision, I'm drawing a line in the sand, that I'm going to believe what God's Word says and not what other people are saying. We need to be willing to fight. Verse 16 says, For 40 days every morning and evening the Philistine champion strutted in front of the Israelite army. Can you imagine that the children of Israel had lost 40 days of their life? They have come here to fight 
And because of this edict from the uh, Goliath, they now have, have spent the last 40 days in fear. And if you're, if you're ever familiar with a situation like this, the fear actually begins to escalate the longer we don't address it. See, when, you know, when our kids were young, we, we began to walk through the whole process of a storm with them. Because storms are loud, and, and they can be powerful, but they don't have to be something you're afraid of. And so we worked with them at a, at when they were children, and they, we taught them the beauty of a storm. And I have been with people that are captivated when a storm happens. They literally can't go out. And I'm not, if that's you, please understand, I'm not trying to belittle you in this. I'm trying to say those fears carry with us from a point of childhood, childhood because they were not addressed. And we begin to adopt things that are not part of God and his word. We should not be afraid of those things. There should be a respect for a storm. I'm not telling you when there's a lightning storm to go out and run around in it with a, a metal you know, stick, you know, saying, I'm not afraid. Because <laughs> God also gave us a brain. You know, when, when Satan was testing Jesus up on the mountain, you know, and, and he tested, he tempted Jesus to just step off the mountain that God would protect him, Jesus said, you know, man shall live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He's not to test God. Let's not test him. You know, I know some of you grew up in the South where they practiced, you know, handling snakes. And yes, Scripture says that we could pick up a snake and if it bites us, that we won't be harmed. But I'm not going to have any snakes in church, okay, for us to handle. It's, that's not my, if you believe that, I'm not going to argue with you, but we're not practicing that here, okay? I believe a good snake's a dead one. So... Um, but we're supposed to be smart, right? Use our heads for something. So I want you to be encouraged. Don't, don't go out there and test it just because you read it in the Scripture and think, well, God, if you did it for him, I'm going to go out there and step off this cliff. And um, Don't do that. But I'm amazed that the children of Israel, the army of Israel, had been captivated, captivated for 40 days by this bully. These were trained soldiers. And every day that he would come out and taunt them, verse 24 says, they began to run away in fright. We need to understand that that is one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is for us to be afraid. And so I want to encourage you that uh, you don't have to be afraid. I've read the end of the book. You know, we win. Now, that, that doesn't mean we won't have some challenges. That, that won't mean we won't have some difficulties. But we don't have to be afraid of him. Today I want to encourage you to take a position of offense. To move forward. Let's keep looking at this because there's some, some valuable truths here still to come. Verse 28 says, David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men. And he was angry. What are you doing around here, he said. He demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You want to see the battle. I always am disappointed at the, the number of times that Attacks come within the body of Christ. This was family. Okay? Let's, let's look at that. This was his brother. This was someone that David should have looked up to. And, and rather than um, responding to him in a way, saying, hey, David, I'm over here. What's going on? And ask and see what's happening. He, he attacks David right away. Now, you also have to put together what had just happened. He'd spent 40 days cowering in fear. And so, now his youngest brother is seeing that he's not willing, as the oldest brother, to take a position of authority and walk out there and fight this battle. Church, 
we need to understand sometimes fighting happens in the body of Christ because the enemy has caused us to operate in a level of fear and timidity. And rather than addressing the fear in our lives, we attack other people in the body who is trying to do something, who is wanting to accomplish something, so we lash out at them and attack them. I love, I love the fact that David was not discouraged from the attack of his brother. We need, to, we need to create a mentality that regardless of what people may say about us, that we keep going in a positive direction. I, I want to bring out a different passage out of our, our Samuel passage, Matthew 12, 36. I think it's very important for us to hear today simply because of the truth that it communicates. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. So if you speak against a a brother or sister in the Lord, God's going to hold you accountable on those things. So you need to weigh your words, church. This is a lesson. I honestly honestly believe that this passage actually can be written down in, in, in a location in our cars, in our homes. And we read this every day because if we can all learn to weigh our words, to never speak a word without giving careful thought and consideration and allowing it to, to be linked to the Word of God, we would not speak in a, in a careless manner that would allow something to be communicated that would bring someone down. So keep your words in check with the Word of God. Let it be your guide. In verse 32, David even after this rebuke from his brother, says, don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Sometimes we spend so much time internal fighting in the the house of God, we don't accomplish as much as we can in the fight itself. How many of you have ever heard of the old illustrations where, you know, churches were split because they couldn't decide on the color of carpet? Now those, some of you are thinking, oh, that never happened. Listen, you would be amazed at the number of ways a church is split because of a decision that couldn't be made that should not have had any true value to the body of Christ. Now, some of you might think, hey, carpet's important. It may be, but it's not important enough to split a church. Um, I don't care if I ever make a decision on the color of carpet or the color of a wall. The only reason my, color, my clothes probably match somewhat is because I normally ask my wife. <laughs> I walk out to her, I say, okay, does this match? Because sometimes it's like, I have no idea. And sometimes, okay, Tabitha's here, and she'll say, no, Dad, you can't wear those two patterns together. It's like, what? <laughs> so I have to go change. I really, it doesn't, if someone didn't tell me something didn't match, I wouldn't care. You know, I don't ever worry about my hair. That's why I do this. You know, I, I didn't, my, when my hair started fading, I just let it fade all away. <laughs> and, and so I just don't want to focus that much on things that it's like, they're not, they're not that important. I want to focus on the things that are important. So I want to encourage you, allow yourself to be captivated by the things of God, not the things that really have no eternal value. As David came to Saul, Saul was resistant. <laughs> you know, because he's thinking, you're just a, you're just a little boy. <laughs> this, is, this has been a warrior since his youth. <laughs> you're just a little boy. But David, verse 34 says, David persisted. And he begins to talk about the battles that he fought. See, when the enemy comes against you, I, I don't think you need to focus as much on, you know, who the enemy is as what God has done already through your life. If you begin to list off how God has already allowed you to walk in victory, whew, it just, it'll encourage, you'll have a church service right there in that moment, you know. You'll want to send out a, send up a couple hallelujahs simply because you're starting to encourage yourself. 
And David wasn't even fixated on the fact that this was a nine-foot-tall man clad in this bronze armor. You know, probably the armor that he was wearing weighed more than David. And yet David was not concerned. Church, we need to be fixated on the right things. Know what God, if God hasn't done something for you already in your life, then you better start praying and looking because I bet God's done more than you realize. Because sometimes our glasses need to be refined to where we can see how God is moving in our lives every day. You need to understand why God has already given you strength and ability and authority to stand in the fight. But David had been preparing as, as long as he could remember. Fighting in the fields. Can you imagine? As a, you know, they're estimating David at this point was around 16. Because around 20 is when they entered the, you know, the military. They were at military age, you know, right around that 20 or so. And so if at 16 he's here, that means he's been in the fields for a few years. Can, can you imagine as a 12-year-old going out to fight a lion or a bear with only a sling <laughs> and a club? He didn't have any guns. You know, but you have a level of confidence because you know that God has enabled you to, to approach something. And so I, I love David's persona. I love his mentality because his mentality wasn't based in his physical ability. It was based in his uh, awareness of who God is. And David had been preparing for this moment all his life. What are you preparing for? See, you don't realize that today you are in preparation for something bigger. <laughs> and, and if you use 2020 to sit at home and, and complain about not going out and not preparing. Now, I'm not telling you you had to be out living whatever you want in the world. But I'm saying even at home, you can prepare for what's next. You need, if, if you couldn't go out, you should be in the Word of God preparing. It's not about how many shows we can binge, but about how much God's Word we can consume. David was preparing for this moment. And the thing that I find it interesting is Saul consented to allow this, this ruddy-faced boy to be his champion. Can you just, just picture that? Saul was present for this last 40 days as his entire army was cowering in fear. And now he's just agreeing to allow this ruddy-faced boy who actually stood with courage, and he must have been the only one <laughs> that had even brought any glimpse of hope. Because as soon as the, the other men, his other you know, soldiers heard it, they told Saul, and Saul sent for him. That means they were listening for someone that had just a little bit of courage to take on this giant. And there was none over this 40 days. And Saul sent for him, and, and Saul says, listen, you can do this. And Saul put the entire hope of Israel on this ruddy-faced boy. Are you ready for a fight? Are you, are you ready for something that is so much bigger than anything you ever imagined? Can you imagine what the, the sound was going through the army as people were starting to hear that Saul just picked a little boy to go fight Goliath? <laughs> that he's not even in the army! Mano e mano, one man against one boy <laughs> against a, a giant, Israel's champion. 
Saul was willing to put the hopes of all of Israel because the loser would become the slave of the other. (laughs) At this point in the armies, people could have been thinking, what in the world is he thinking? Verse 38 on, it talks about David giving Saul his armor. And, and, and David says, I, I can't, Saul, Saul was trying to get David to put on this armor, and, and David says, I can't function this way. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with this. Uh, I'm not used to this. And so he takes it off, and he picks up five smooth stones from a stream and he puts it into his bag and and today I brought some some smooth stones that I have in my office I actually I have a smooth stone like this in my car and uh, today I brought you some some faith hope and love some gratitude and blessed and um and I have these on my desk, and I have them in my car. My, my peace one is really important when I'm driving. Have anybody ever needed, has anybody ever needed peace when you're out driving? So I pick up my smooth stone, and I'm thinking, and I just begin to rub it. And I'm saying, Lord, I need peace today. And I keep my eyes open when I'm driving, just so you know. At least one of them. Um, but I, some of you say this is funny. <laughs> But I just begin to rub this stone and I just begin to fixate on peace. Now we talked about the tangible stuff that we have out here for the kids because they, they do better when they can actually practice something, participate in something. And, uh, and I love these, you know, just thinking, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm blessed, what does blessing mean in my life? If I have... If I have gratitude. What does gratitude? And sometimes we need a reminder when things are not going well in our life. So these were just a little example of of some of the things that are available to us. Faith, we all need more faith. It's it's a little different than the other stones, but it's a great reminder for me that I need more faith every day. And and I have health. You You know, God promises us good health. You know, so I, I pick up his, this stone and I begin. And these stones have no value in and of themselves. Don't think that you can rub these and a genie is going to pop out of one of them. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying these are reminders of the things that God has provided for me. And the great thing is he's also provided them for youth. You know, we, but we have to take these, these simple truths and apply them. And see, and David picked up, he picked up these three stones, these five stones, to go out to fight. Now, the reality is he didn't need all five of them, right? Scripture says that he was also um, equipped with a sling. I had, I had my son make me a sling, and I picked up my faith stone, Okay. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, maybe you should have brought a shield bearer today. And I've been practicing um, just before uh, church, so I should have this down, right? I'm not going to throw my faith rock at you, just so you know you don't have to run. But I did bring something in here yesterday trying it, and it was unsuccessful. It does need, <laughs> it does need to have a little bit of weight to it. But, uh, you know, you get this thing, and you, you just, David loads up his swing and he starts to you know swing it around and he's got such a pinpoint accuracy and then he lets it go and all of a sudden this this stone travels the distance and takes out the enemy such confidence one stone he he had five he was prepared for he had four other messages to send to goliath if he needed he knew he only needed one, but it's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to just be prepared just in case I need to. Anybody else wants to come and, and challenge the thing of God, you know? Church, we need to be prepared for the battle. And the only way you're going to be prepared for the battle is if you know how to fight the battle. 
verses 41 and on, or to 44, talks about Goliath. And again, he goes back to this mentality of belittling David, trying to make him feel afraid. Now, if you notice, Goliath came out to the battle, even though it was just this ruddy-faced little boy who only has a stick, (laughs) and I don't even know if he could see his sling. Let's just be honest. And Goliath has his javelin, his sword, and he has a shield bearer. Because that shows you this, this giant still has a level of fear that he operates in. He doesn't have that level of confidence. He's got to have all this other stuff just to make sure. And sometimes more stuff is not better, it's just more. And when you go and approach a battle with the knowledge of God, you are more than capable of of attacking whatever comes your way. And I believe this year will be a year that you will be victorious if you are willing to apply the truths found in God's Word. I love verse 45 as David replies to the Philistine, and, and, and we've read it already, but it's just it's so powerful. It says, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. See, if we can somehow wrap our brains around the fact that every time the enemy comes at us, he's not just defying you, he's defying the God that we serve. And every time we sit back and do nothing, we allow him to deface the God who we say has delivered us from all the things that he has. But David understood and he says, today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and cut off your head. And I love it that David, when the battle started, David took off running. (laughs) Church, sometimes we think, okay, there's a battle and we've got this just this ginger stepping in, it's like, okay, let's see who's going to make the first move. David, when the battle started, he took off running because he wasn't going to allow fear to creep in. And the longer we put a little distance between us and the enemy, we allow that pace to be something that the enemy regulates, we are going to approach it with fear and trembling rather than faith and confidence. And we have at some point to begin to run at whatever we're facing and be able to fight the battle the way God intended it to be fought. This is why it is so important for us to go back to that Matthew passage where he says you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. When you're going into a battle, you cannot speak idle words. You need to speak the words of confidence, the words of preparation. You need to know what God has already enabled you to do. You need to know that God already sent His Son, that Jesus Christ went to the cross, He went to the grave, and He overcame death and hell, and that He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And as you begin to declare those things over the fight that you in, whatever is coming at you this year is not going to have a chance. But you've got to fight it. You've got to take it on. This year, I believe, is going to be an amazing year for God to do something in each one of you. But you have to decide who is going to be victor. Verse 50 says, David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone and no sword. Victory is assured, not because of David's ability, but because he was not fighting alone. One of the greatest things that I love about the Old Testament is the number of times that God sent the people, uh, his children, into battle and said, listen, you don't have to do a thing. (laughs) You just, if you go into the battle... I'm going to take care of the rest. But listen, they didn't have an option to sit at home. They they didn't have an option to sit back and cower in fear. They had to approach with faith and confidence that God was more than able to accomplish what was set before them. And so church, I I just want you to know that I believe this year is going to be a great year. I'd love our worship team to come back. I'd love to end our service this morning with a little Waymaker again. Um, I just think that we need to worship as we prepare to conclude this service. 
While they're doing that, I'm going to invite our uh, uh, ushers to come. We're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings because we're going to worship as long as, as you want to worship. We're going to worship as long as you want to worship. And when you feel the need to leave, you're going to be released to leave. But I believe this. This is a battleground. This, this is the preparation. You cannot read the Scriptures without coming to this awareness, this recognition that worship is a process of preparation for the battle ahead. And it is not about you being a singer. See, there is a difference between being a singer and being a worshiper. I am a worshiper. I don't stand still typically. Um, my wife and I kept banging into each other. I don't think she was moving. It's just I'm back and forth, front and back. You know, it's like, you know, give me about a five-foot space all around and I'm comfortable. But I, I love worshiping. And so today, I want you to prepare yourself for the battle ahead. Whatever's coming at you, begin to worship. Begin to play worship in your cars, wherever you're going. If you're in the midst of a stressful thing out on the road, put some worship on and, and have something prepared so that, you know what? No, no, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. You know, it's God's word. And so, ushers, come. We're going to wait upon you for a morning tithes and offering. And then we're just going to worship. Gracious God, we thank you that you are more than enough. You are more than able. And today, today we release your presence to move and to do however you see fit today. Father, may we experience a, a piece of trans, uh, transformation in our lives that moves us from being observers on the side to active participants in, par participants in the battle. And uh, we just thank you for this. We ask for this in your name. Amen. Once the ushers pass by you, if God, if you want to come up here and worship, you'd be released to go and to do and to worship as God sees fit.
Hallelujah. Just lift up a clap offering. Hallelujah. Mm. He is a way maker, church. And this year, I, I pray that you will begin to start writing down the things that God is going to enable you to accomplish this year. The ground that God is going to allow you to take. The victories that are going to be yours. The things that you've struggled with for years that this year, God is going to help you overcome. This is going to be a year of victory. This is going to be a year of, of God allowing you to experience an outpouring of His Spirit to do something amazing in your life. So I want to encourage you. I want to just to challenge you to begin to pray, to begin to seek God for something that is so far outside of what you can imagine, simply because you're going to begin to prepare by allowing God's Word to be sown into your life. And, and you're going to do that thing that God has placed before you. God bless you today. Love on one another. Thank you for coming out today. We'll look forward to seeing you this week, every night, 6 to 7. You're all invited, kids, adults. There is no reason. Come out. This week, begin to take the ground that God has for you. God bless you. Thank you.